Now, you remember how, David, you remember how you told me that your camera microphone was directional? These are the same way, so get, go on. Get that ah! thing. Yeah. Is that good? Go on. Get that thing up to your mouth, son. <laughs> All right. Is that better? That's better. All right. I had to get that little out. Look. Thing it, out whoa. Of me real quick. Whoa. Look. It pulls. It pulls. Look. Yeah. There. You can sit back now. Pull it back to you. All right. Is that good? Yeah. The point of these microphones is to talk into them. See, you're a video guy. Yeah. This is an this is primarily an audio pod a podcast is primarily audio. So that's the point of it. Have you ever listened to podcasts, David? I have two. Two podcasts. The Bible Project and then uh the Three of Seven Project. You mean the Three of Seven Podcast? Yeah, three, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, so, I'm actually kind of nervous. I uh I almost wet myself before coming in here and then luckily you have a bathroom here, so. Well, you've put us through hell the last three days, so you better get ready, son. I can't wait to get back home. It's my turn. <laughs> it's our turn. I can only imagine how you feel staying down here for uh, three days. Yeah, the first night you get home, or you get to Chad's house, and you realize that the dude has a lot of guns. Uh, you know, it makes you feel like... You know, you meet a stranger for the first time. So when I got to that guest house, you know, I put your mountain bike on one door. So that would give me 10 seconds if somebody broke in. And then the second one, I put a broomstick on the door. That way it would make a noise if somebody, you know, you kind of just yeah. feel uneasy. I'm a stranger. You're a stranger. You don't carry a weapon? I just got, you know, my hands. But anyway, so I, yeah, you're kind of getting nervous. So you, so you carry, people. you just don't have a lot of weapons. I just have two. Two. Yeah, just two. Well, I tell you, hanging with these guys three days back to back aggravates me too. So I can imagine if you if you just don't, you know, have never done it, it's just like a who's these guys? You and Chad. We finally found what Blake is not good at. (laughs) Tell them about it, Chili. (laughs) Hold on, I gotta adjust my mic, Chili. We act like it's just one thing. I mean, where do we start? We found what he's sure enough not good at. (laughs) Running. (laughs) yep that's one (laughs) being on camera we've spent the last three days filming with david david's a good friend of ours uh he's a big part of the 307 project team in my humble opinion he's helped us with many projects and uh, he's really good at what he does so we spent the last three days filming a really cool course of instruction for some of you guys that want to become Runners or better runners. I'm not going to go too much into what we uh, what what the content is yet. I want it to be ready for you guys uh, once we really put it out there. But you know, Blake just nukes everything. He nukes everything. Everything and like a microwave. I, no, I, I mean in terms of <laughs> in terms of the filming project. Yeah, and I. But to be honest with you, you think why is there not why has there not been a master class on running? Why has not been put out there? I mean, because it's hard to do. Because it's hard to do. Yeah. I mean, it take we we work twelve hours, twelve hour days for two days straight, and then got up and did it this morning. It's it is a tough thing to put together, and really, we did the easy part. Oh yeah, you know for sure. David's got yeah. 
the hardest job here. Absolutely. Well, I wouldn't have done it with anybody else except for David. David, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are. Because I don't even know really who you are. I mean, you're just some random guy that just popped in and is really good at what he does. Where'd you grow up, man? Yeah, I grew up in southeast Portland. Um, lived there uh, until I was 19. Started following Jesus. Uh, repented of my sin around 15. Started working at a Christian summer camp. Uh, so I worked at a summer camp for six summers from 15 to, to 21. Um, met my wife at 21, um, went to, barely made it into Bible school with a really low GPA. And, uh, I actually didn't make it long. And my dad said, Hey, it's probably best if, uh, I wanted to be a youth pastor. Mm. And, um, he goes, "Ah, you're really struggling. What do you want to do? And I said, I'd love shooting videos. My dad was a great photographer. He didn't do it for a living, but, um, he's great at taking photos. So I, I've, I've done that. I've done video work since age 21 to 40 um and uh i've done it full-time in seasons and then i've transitioned out and then um do it as a hobby now and it it benefits my business that i do run but um i have a wonderful wife who's a great amazing woman loves jesus loves our kids have three children um grace is in high school jack is in middle school and ronin is a fifth grader and um Every day, just repent of my sin and try to be a good husband and dad. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I think one of your major gifts, I told you this morning, at least in my life, beyond the skills that you possess, is uh, peace, man. You just are, you just are, seem like you are at peace. And you bring that with you everywhere you go, like just being around you. There were times in our filming project where Chili almost lost his mind. And I have a feeling if you weren't there, he would have went high order. He really would have went high order. Um, have you ever been told that before? I mean, I think my wife would fully disagree. With <laughs> really? Me. Well, you know. Again, the way we communicate to our wives is we let them know everything. They see the good. They see the bad, right? Usually that's how a good marriage works is you have an open relationship with communication. Hopefully you're talking about how you feel. Um, so I would say the last year and a half has been the most stressful when it comes just to life craziness. Like you just can't control life, right? But what you can control, you really want to try to figure out how do I, um, uh, yeah, what can I control? And that's my attitude. That's the only thing we really can control yep. is how do I respond to others? Um, am I making it uh, right with people quickly if I have offended them by anything I've said? Um, you know, Can't offend me. You know what I'm saying? Just um, This past year has just taught me a lot about I can do nothing, really. I, I have goals. I want to do a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of things that can be taken away, and um, I want to be content with what I have, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. With, with, I mean, honestly, too, with doing video work with strangers, you have to come in and kind of be a chameleon on the wall and get to know all the personalities and how they work and try to win rapport quickly because I need to produce a product that's going to be satisfactory what you all want. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if I come in hard, you know, like this is what I'm doing, it's it's going to grate against you because you're a controller, you know, and you, you know, Noah. Um, whoa, whoa. You, well, he's stubborn. Who? You, you're stubborn. There, there's Who? nobody named Noah on this podcast. Oh, Who are you talking to? I'm so to? sorry. Chili. Uh, <laughs> I am so sorry. Jeez. Um, and then, uh, and then <laughs> you honestly. Better, you better freaking watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting um, you're getting out of hand here. I didn't know. <laughs> it's all good, um, you know. And then Blake, you know, it's Blake's probably my wife's favorite personality on this podcast show. You know, she thinks you're really funny, chilly. Um, well, I appreciate you know, that, and uh, and wise for your age. Um, you know, but you bring a lot of wisdom. You know what you say ninety percent of the time is rock solid. You know, except when you talk Shoot about yeah. doing push-ups and pull-ups, those are overrated. But um, you know. agreed. Yeah, yeah. Blake is everybody's favorite. I mean, look at him. Just a, just a doll. I want to. I want to understand, David. I want to understand more about your faith because you seem like such a steady person. Um, what what have what have been the struggles that you faced? In terms of faith, in terms of um, how it integrates into your life and, and all of that stuff, there's got to be some there. And yeah. maybe this, you said, you mentioned specifically this last year and a half. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, uh, pride as Christians, like pride is like enemy number one. Like we want to die to ourselves as we follow Jesus, right? So sometimes we just have to repent from our personalities because our, our personalities can be filled with a natural bent to anger or to want to lie about something or to hide sin. So I think the most humbling moment was when I was 30, when my wife caught me looking at pornography mm -hmm. and I instantly lied about it. Right. And she knew what I was doing. Right. And it was like, then I lied and the lie was the thing that devastated her the most. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So for this past, I don't know, 10 years, I've really tried just to be open, um, before the Lord, which is difficult, like honest, and then allow myself to have people in my life to say, Hey, you know, what about this? You know, my, one of my good friends, um, who doesn't run. Um, I don't even know why I said that. Um, you know, he, uh, cause all we've uh, talked about is running for yeah. the last three days. <laughs> I know he said like, whatever you, whatever is the biggest obstacle in your life, run towards it. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you're always going to be running away from it. Like mm -hmm. when it comes just to, sins we struggle with right or um or whatever i mean just fully admit your sin fully admit where you're inadequate and pray for the mercy and grace of god to take it over and um raising kids will humble you because it's like a mirror mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like i spend a lot of my time apologizing and i need to do more of it uh sorry jack um you know just when you snap at somebody too quickly or um you say something with a, a different type of tone yeah. that is condescending. Um, I so don't know, so you're saying you're going to face these things at some point, so you might as well face them up front, right? Well, it's, it's not like when you become a Christian. Like my father-in-law, who is a man of Jesus, he became a Christian and he stopped drinking alcohol. and He drank a lot of it, right? And that's rare. Sometimes you just can't go, to, you'll never go cold turkey off your sin. You know what I'm saying? You just need to be aware of it. Like, hey mm -hmm. man, my, my flesh wants to 
take over or do this. And it's more of like, all right, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I need to trust the Bible that it's true and um, make sure that my life is balanced in a way that glorifies him, right? So that's probably been the last 10 years. The last one year, I've probably complained more about things to my wife about government overreach, wearing a mask, uh, vaccine debate. You know, there's just been a lot of things that you can't control and people throw at you. Yeah. And so that's been a journey as well. Yeah. I, I want to go back to that um, that initial uh, moment that you talked about and how it wasn't the act of of getting caught watching pornography by your wife. It was the lie. And like, how did you work through that? And, and how did you bring healing to that scenario? Because I can relate to that. I think everybody listening to this podcast can, can relate to mo a moment like that. And it's easy to let that crush you, man, or potentially be detrimental long-term to your relationship. What was the process like working through that, man? Yeah. I mean, it, I, to be honest, it, when you lie to someone that you say you love, that will destroy trust. Yeah. And trust is not something you can just turn back on. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, I, we went to counseling. We had a, a good friend of mine who is uh, still a pastor. His name's Drake. He came, sat down with us and we, he just talked and there were some hard moments. So he goes, Dave, what are you going to do to clean this up? Mm. Right. And I just said, I'm not going to do it anymore. That was my answer. And then he goes, Emily, was that an, a satisfactory answer? And she said, no. Right. So that's the moment where, you know, my word doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and I worked in a, a, an office wow. like this and my office was kind of cluttered, messy, you know, paperwork, camera gear bags. And he goes, Dave, if I said, go clean your office, what are you going to do? And I said, I would just go clean it up. And he goes, that gives me nothing about how you're thinking about how you're going to clean it up, right? I'm going to move this here. I'm going to sweep it here. I'm going to reorganize my cabinets. All the gear goes on this side. Mm. Like, that's what my wife wanted to hear. She wanted to know that I was going to put myself in a situation where I was going to be accountable, open with people. You know, I don't think she wanted me to tell her everything in my mind, but she wanted to know that I was, I had a plan. Does that make sense? Wow. So anyway, yeah. I think that's kind of the, the realization that as a husband, I'm going to fail my wife. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to uh, love my wife as Christ loved the church, then I need to give her things that, um, that reflect that, and not just easy answers that I think are adequate, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense to me, man. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I was just agreeing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Um and I think that for me, the how this pertains to me in in my walk right now is I think that we would all benefit from a little more or a lot more open, direct, and honest conversation with each other in terms of... Um, in terms of what's going on in our lives and what's going on in in our in our head and and how we are feeling about a situation or a relationship or whatever we're dealing with and 
the reason it resonates so much with me is because I'm going through this right now in my life. Like David said, he's a uh, he's essentially this is the first time we've spent time together. We have we have talked and we have had uh, you know conversation before this, so we had some rapport. But David comes out here. Uh, Brooke and I are going through some struggles in our not not just our relationship but our personal lives right and so at breakfast yesterday morning um we were we had just got done eating and we were getting ready to pray and i just see jesus just rate jesus the spirit of christ and the holy spirit just radiates from david in that in that form of peace i mean it and so i was I totally just said, I just laid it out on the table. What This is what I'm dealing with today. And I asked David, like, hey, man, will you pray for my wife? David doesn't even know my wife. He has no clue. He doesn't, well, he shouldn't even, I mean, he has no reason to even care about her. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> you know, I'm sick and tired of trying, I, I'm sick and tired of the way we talk to each other the way we try to to put this front up like everything's good i'm sick and tired of trying to look strong for everyone i'm just sick of it it doesn't work you know what i mean and so you talk about like meeting these things head on and coming up with a plan well what meeting it head head on looks like is telling the people that you're doing life with that means something to you really truly what's going on and how you are feeling and where you're at in life and i've even been thinking about that in in terms of of social media it's real easy to get bias on social media and just show uh try to look strong for everyone there when in reality <laughs> that's not true life and i've even thought about transitioning on there in certain aspects of being like hold on let me tell you how it really is in day-to-day -day life uh i think we could all benefit from making that shift in our mindset and just saying hey i'm gonna lay it out there for you man this is where we're at and um moving forward from there i think that's really the only way to make any progress i think that's why we don't make a lot of progress is because we tend to hold back what's really going on so well, that's what social media is used for i mean look, look at the filters that people put on to change their face and skin color and appearance and nobody gets on there and says hey i had a rough day today or i'm going through this it's all the good things and so well, yeah looking at social media makes people depressed because yeah. you see everybody in their happiest most fun state they don't you're not going to see someone put out the bad mm -hmm. so you look around and you say well everybody i see in the entire world is happy they're good looking or you know because the filters they they're doing something fun they're on vacation and then you're you look at your life and you're like well i'm not that happy and i'm not doing that great mm -hmm. and i'm working hard and i hate it and so yeah it's just like a constant negative reinforcement of how you are versus the rest of the world <laughs> it's not true right but it's it's what you're feeding your mind yeah yeah i'm just a little burnt out on it myself yeah i mean i think it's important to put those things out there like i mean even for me when i if i'm 
I put a post on Instagram the other day, one of my quarterly posts, and it wasn't a happy, lovely moment. It was just a, a, a lament. Yeah, a lament. A lament. It was just a brokenheartedness of how I feel about the world and how I, and, you know, I feel like God was allowing me to be able to see things through His eyes, and I just, I just expressed that it wasn't. I wasn't depressed. I just, you know, sometimes you just hurt for the things that are going on. And, I think it's important to put those things out there, especially on that platform, because that's where people put up the front. You know, it, you can do it in person, but it's much harder. It's really easy to do it on Instagram and Facebook. Well, I'm intrigued by something Chad said because, you know, David is a strong person. He has strong traits and strong character. And you mentioned you're sick and tired of putting up this. I mean, you know, trying to be strong for well, everybody. It was like, I, I know what you mean. It was like yesterday. I mean, well, we had work to do, right? Yep. Yesterday we had freaking work to do. But I'm I'm holding this this uh, tension in that's that is a part of my life. So I intentionally laid that out. Yeah. To you guys yeah. to say, hey, we're good. We're still gonna work, but just know I got this going on. And will you pray for me? Well, what I'm trying to get to is you know you're still strong like they're putting up a trying to be strong to everybody does that's not what makes you strong what makes you strong is just being strong mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying so if you quit trying to do anything that that you feel like you're supposed to do it doesn't make you not strong <laughs> it just relieves that pressure off of you i think what I think you understand what he's getting at, but to put it in better words, you're you are allowing other people to share that burden, right? And not trying to do it all on your own. I mean, that's what you did at breakfast is when you told us that, and you just said that's what you did. Instead of me holding it in and realizing we have all this work to do and trying to do it on my own, I just put it out there to let yeah. you guys know. And maybe and, and maybe we're not on the same page, but I think that some people fear that that would make them look less weak. strong, it make them weak. look weak, Correct. and it doesn't. Correct. To, I mean, to me. No. So. Yeah. Well, I think, yes, yeah, society society would tell you that makes you look weak, but it's a freaking lie. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And it brings me to something that David mentioned earlier. They, You guys have a run group in uh, up in Washington, right, David? Yeah. And you, you told me, you said at the beginning when you guys first formed this run group, you guys would go out on a run and uh, the – the only rules were, what was it? You couldn't talk about... Yeah, no talking about COVID. And yep. No talking politics. Yep. Because that's all we hit, were hit with for a while. And then after like three months, like you just can't avoid it. Like it just was all consuming. It was like, hey, how are you doing? Ah, uh, we're in quarantine. It's like you just can't avoid <laughs> mm -hmm. the chaos that's been thrown onto your plate. You know, sometimes we cause our own sin. Like it's my fault that I did this. And then there's like, now there's things being thrown onto my plate that are inundated. Yeah, like now I have to struggle through somebody else's problem, and I didn't do anything. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or there's and so um, because I really when I started running, it was uh, to clear my head. No phone, nothing, just run. Mm -hmm. You know, like every once in a while I would take my phone, but it was just. You know, it, I found a lot of peace. I could clear my head. I could think, get away from any stress that was at my, I work from home. So it's nice to leave the house. You know what I'm saying? 
Like I just felt a lot of peace. So a couple of these runs, I had a good friend, Matt Geiger, who's a, who's an air force pilot. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of restrictions there with vaccines and COVID and we all have kids in school. And, um, at one point I noticed I was running faster every time they started talking about COVID because I just wanted to like get away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it just was, and it was anyway. So I just, we kind of ended that because it just took over, you know, you couldn't avoid it any longer, but, um, and that was just my attempt to control. This isn't like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it ended, but, um, for a while it was nice, but, um, yeah, actually, the, the, a guy named Micah McBride, he uh, is a PE teacher. He's in our run group. And uh, he is not a runner. He wouldn't ever say he, he's a runner. He goes, the longest he's ever run was 13 or a half marathon. And he goes, uh, COVID hit. He goes, how am I supposed to engage? And Micah loves Jesus. How am I supposed to engage these kids in PE class over a computer? Yeah. Right. And that's berserko. It's impossible. Yeah. Like, so he goes, I'm going to challenge them to do hard things. Like go outside and run around your house. And he goes, if I'm going to tell them to do something hard, I have to do something hard. So he goes, I'm going to go uh, run 72 miles in one day. And he's never run over 13 ever, you know, and he's, um, he's 48 years old, right? Uh, good shape. Great, great shape. Um, and he goes, yeah, there's this guy that says like, don't die in the chair. That was the first thing I heard about you guys. There's this guy that says, don't die in the chair. And, and I'm like, what chair? <laughs> like, what does a chair Not have a to chair do? chair involved in running. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. And don't give pain a voice. And this was before I started running. Like, my first run was with him, ever. My first three-mile run a year and a half ago Dang. was with him. Um, and uh, it was a 10-minute pace. So they were going to run three miles every hour, 24 hours. And uh, he did it. Him and Doug Martin, who who has a previous experience with running, they both did it. And um, and then I asked him about what's this guy all about. And he goes, he takes people on missions and stuff. <laughs> and I immediately thought that you were a Mormon. Because it's like, what do you mean a mission? <laughs> you know, like he takes people on courses and teaches people how to hike. And like... I'm so naive, so dumb. Like I had no clue. You had to like learn how to hike, learn how to backpack. Like uh -huh. I, I've never done really much of that. But um, and then I, I think I remember. I don't remember a moment, but uh, I think it was some podcast where you were talking about a run, and uh, and that's when I started running. It was like I got to get in shape. You know, I just I was thin, but I was in horrible shape. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's become a big part of your life now, right? You're running. Yeah. What? 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 Because you're on a streak. What's your streak? Somewhere in the two seventies. Two hundred and seventy some odd days straight. Short distances usually. Yeah, but running every day. Yeah. Yep. What? What is? What is drive? What is driving you? How did you become so attached to this? Um. What's your why? Yeah. We have a whole Well, it was funny because my why is my dad. Like my dad, when I was born, he was in the hospital getting his large intestine ripped out because he had colon cancer. So he had a, a stoma put on, right? And he ran from age 38 to about age 50 a lot. Portland marathons, 5Ks, 10Ks. And at the time, he would come back from a run all sweaty. 
you know, like, you know, when you're all sweating, your body just kind of glows. Like it's back then I thought it was like the grossest thing. <laughs> you know, my kids now call me like when I come in, go take a shower. Go. I mean, it's like instant. They think I smell. Man, and that's, that's, that feels good. And I'm kind of hairy and do <laughs> things that are weird. Like I shave a circle around my belly button because I'm tired <laughs> of the hair going in. So my wife hates it. <laughs> but like um, I started running and I, I just went. I, I, I did three miles with my with with my buddies, uh, Micah and Doug. And then it was like I went to a five mile and then I did a seven mile. And then, then my next run was a 20 mile. That was my progression. And on that 20 mile, I got messed up bad, bad. Yeah. Like I made it to mile 15 and then my wife had to drive and meet me and I wobbled like a duck. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when you're, uh, is it like hip flexors lock up mm -hmm. and you just can't stretch and it's just. You kind of wobble when you run anyways though, David. I do. I can't, I mean, at the end of the <laughs> you day. You caused permanent damage on that day. I did. But then I, um, uh, so I started running in June. And my goal was to run 40 miles in October because I was turning 39. And so I picked, I was going to go run on a track. Anyway, so I did it. Um, and I blew a, 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 my Achilles tendon got really swollen because I was landing wrong and bad form. And then my IT band went berserko, just berserk. And I was on YouTube trying to figure out how to get an IT band down, uh, reduce the swelling, taking pills, doing the foam roller. Pills? Doing, <laughs> what kind of pills? Uh, Painkillers? Well, mm -hmm. No, it reduced the swelling. If you can reduce the swelling on the IT band, it'll heal quicker. That's anti-inflammatory. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And so then it was working clamshells, hips, and it took about a month and a half before I didn't feel that ting that pain. And then an old man at the running store in Olympia, he said, you got to run through your IT band pain. You got to keep running because if you don't run, you got to kind of run until you start to feel the pain and then shut it off. Yep. And then and it's slow. Everything's slow. And, he, and he's 60. And I go, how often do you run? And he goes, I run every day. He goes, you just got to slowly build your mileage back up. Or if you push it too hard, you'll irritate it and you'll struggle with this injury forever. And that kind of freaked me out because I was really enjoying running. And so my goal then has been just to, you know, just run every day. And it's become a habit, you know, um, a great habit, to be honest. Um, yeah. Well, I got to say, um, we was talking earlier about, you know, just putting it all out there, not being a fake. And a man that tells you he shaves a circle around his belly button, he, he ain't putting on no front. Well, that you well, know, you can't just speed past that. Well, you know that right there. I've already seen it, David. You ain't got to show me again. <laughs> <laughs> that right there was the what that closes the deal on on David as a, a team member at Three Seven Project. His belly button that closes the deal. Yeah, you've got to have something weird about you, whether it's your per, your personality. What it, there, there's got to be something a little bit off about you mm -hmm. to be able to function in this group here. So you guys think you're runners? Is that right? I don't. Okay. So I've done things that you guys will never do as a runner. Doubt it. Have you run a mile in cowboy boots? Yep. All right, I'm wrong. Chili, you don't even own a pair of cowboy boots. I've done it. Not even kidding. What was your time? I didn't track the time. You want to know the situation? I'm know. dead serious. Because I'm going to do a, a run called the cowboy mile. I know a couple things that you've done that I hadn't done, but that... Okay. We went to, um, 
we had a school. I ha- I went to a private school. You had a dress dress code and everything. And there was this one day where uh, we were doing this thing on the field. They said, "Hey man, we're gonna do we're gonna do like runs about a hundred meters long, and there's gonna be a mile race and a four hundred and all this stuff." And 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 I said, "All right." I said, "I'm gonna show up with some boots on," and I ran the mile in the boots. That's it. Cowboy boot? Yeah. Dang. Yeah, so what I wanted to try to do, I had, a, I had a reason behind it. So I wanted to feel like my feet were on fire. Because people always say, can you handle the pain when you're doing Blake knows what that feels like, by the way. <laughs> I, I can help you out with that. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to try to mimic like the pain. Like, can I endure foot pain? Not injury, but just a nuisance, blisters. So I tried the boots for a while. I ran in grass. Um, I'll hose my feet down with cold water before I start to run just to see if I get blisters. I needed to get over the blister. You know what I'm saying? During the 50K, the the three of seven project 50K, that's what took me mentally. Yeah, when I took my soft, my socks off, I saw these blood blisters. And mentally, I just freaked, freaked out. And that's kind of what tanked me because I was going to be the first place. Um, but um, yeah, there for the money. You were getting was, ready to make your move. I was getting I ready to make that. my, I was hanging with Darby. We had a plan. Even Darby said, hey, these guys at the front are going to tank and we're going to be right there ready to go. And I actually beat, I mean, I ran the, let me tell you, I don't, I'm not here to brag, but I mean, my half marathon time in that 50 K was my second fastest run ever. Like I, I was smoking. Right. And then my wife met me. I, I did a quick, uh, outfit change with my sockies. And then, um, and then, uh, like mile 18, 19, it just, I started, I was, I thought I was going to poop my pants and then which I've done before. I'm actually the best runner when it comes to doing that stuff. Is I can, I can really mess myself up a you, lot. You can put it away. <laughs> and you I can have also watch. It it, <laughs> you can also watch. You've watched. A, uh, let me tell you. You've watched a baptism in a third world squat. That's a different story. <laughs> Through the trees. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I bet I, Chile ain't never done that. I have also <laughs> never done that. Definitely hadn't. You know, the person I feel the well. My wife is a hardcore competitor. Like she used to race motocross and she just, she's cutthroat. She loves Jesus. She has stopped during a race to help somebody who's crashed. So that kind of just shows the, you got to be as a believer, Jesus first and everything else second, but you still have to win. So it's that weird balance, but she does it well. So like when I came through, I knew I was having stomach pain and she's like, why are you running so slow? Mm-hmm. like what's going on like she was like my race director we had plans we came out the day before to scout it you know mm-hmm. i was ready i was wearing a michael jordan jersey in the morning because i mentally i mean my mind my <laughs> my mind games are just did you have your victory cigar ready for the end you know what's funny is uh i sent a text to my buddy doug who is an experienced runner i said i think i'm gonna win this and it was a long text back. Hey, Dave, you're seeming pretty prideful. Okay. My other buddy, Micah, who did the, you know, don't die in the chair thing. He goes, you're the fastest runner on earth. You got this. And that was my coaching. So I kind of, anyway. But yeah, when I got done, I was dead. Um, I feel bad for your dad. Your dad. Uh, his name is? Uh, James. James. I mean, he worked hard on that barbecue. I mean, slaved away, it sounded like. Homemade food, not easy. I'm going through the food line with my new friend Grant and Angie. 
which they live near us. And people are putting food on my plate. And I'm thinking, this is a bad idea. Like, don't, don't take any food. I just was in rough shape. And I sit down, I'm chewing on the, on the pork and it just won't go down. Like I'm chewing, it's like bubble gum, you know, you were compacted. Something was wrong. I went to that barbecue place the night before. Yeah. What's it called? Awesome Hill. Yeah, which was yeah. And I ate way too much food. I woke up and I couldn't do my normal routine. Mm-hmm. And I knew. Couldn't excrete. Correct. Anyway, so I excused myself from the barbecue. And I didn't want to use that smelly porta potty temporary bathroom there. Pit toilet. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to do that one because I didn't want anybody to know that I. I didn't want, to be honest, that's where my pride failed me. <laughs> I didn't want people to know how long I was in that bathroom for. <laughs> anyway, so I start walking down to the lake. I think it's maybe an eighth of a mile away. Yeah. I don't know. And as soon as I turned that corner, I knew I wasn't going to make it. Like there was no chance that my body would hold it in. And I, I had about 25 <laughs> seconds to find a location and execute my plan. Mm. And I was there for a long time and cleanup was not easy. <laughs> And uh, then I did end up going to the bathroom, you know, to the real restroom. The secondary, for the secondary. And as I was walking there, that's when I saw everybody going to the lake. And by the time I was coming out of the restroom, it, baptisms. It was over. Well, it was the last baptism okay. coming out. So I watched it from, from afar. Yeah. And then when I, when I showed up, my wife was like, where in the heck have you been? <laughs> Long story. Well, David, where you showed us the other day where you, this this spot, it's totally exposed. It's the, wide open. <laughs> I mean, what? why'd you why'd you settle on that? It was there or in my pants. <laughs> it was I mean, there or the road, wasn't it? <laughs> dang, man. Um. Anyway. Y'all know, if y'all listen to this, we made the announcement last week. This is the premier ultra running podcast on of all podcasts. This is the kind of this is ultra running, man. Mm. This is why we're the premier ultra running podcast is because of stories like this. Are you going to race again, David? So I really want to perform well. I've found a lot of peace and joy just doing solo runs. To be honest, like I think I get. I think I'm, I fall apart mentally when I go to run against people, if that makes sense. Like, I got demolished by a 59-year-old lady in a race. It demoralized me, right? Margo so, Pitts. Correct. Or maybe she's 54 or 52 or 49. Margo Pitts. I apologize. Son. Maybe you're 45. I am so sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if Chad so, hadn't called her name, it um, would have been fine. Margo's <laughs> a savage, man. Um, but I was racing her at the end, and it just made me realize I know nothing about long distance endurance runs, you know, and, uh, I want to make sure I, it takes a lot of time to train for these things. So there's two trains of thought. You go in and and you just do your best. You, I got, I have a wonderful wife who I love running with. Like we ran 17 miles on our 17th anniversary. It was a blast running through snow. It was awesome. I, I would much rather do those runs than showing up and paying 80 bucks for a t-shirt and having a DNF. You know what I'm saying? That's just me personally. I don't have like a killer instinct. Like I, I got to win. Um, the reality is I'm getting to this game late. Runs are not set up like a sport. Like like um, you have professional runners and somebody who just started 
all on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's not like amateur, novice, intermediate expert. Everyone is racing against everybody. So the reality of me ever taking a first place or a podium finish, yeah, it, it, it's just not a reality, right? But what I do love is running. I do like running a lot. I'd love to run a last man standing event just to see how far I could go. That makes mm-hmm, sense mm-hmm. because there's not a lot of pressure of, of of time. It's just you against you. Yeah, I think that's intriguing to me. Um, so yeah, I, I would love to do a race like that, um, but probably no more like fifty k's or hundred k's. Really? Or or hundred miler? I would do it by myself. I think over. Uh, uh, you know, you might change. We're gonna have to talk you out of that mindset. You maybe. might change. You're saying there's no more texts like, "Hey, I'm I'm here for the money. I'm going to win <laughs> this thing." Is that what you're getting? At? You you literally just you just set through the editor's cut of the premier ultra running course of instruction on Earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I feel like you're ready for a hundred miler, man. So we I need to get that thing well, on no, the calendar, I, I think man. the reality is what do I enjoy? Because I don't want to live anybody else's dream. Like out of all three of you, I relate with to, to Blake the most. Like my priority isn't ever to win a race until my kids are out of the house and my wife gives me the thumbs up of, hey, yeah, go ahead and dedicate all this time. Does that make sense? Because I don't, I think we worship sports in America. Like we spend way too much time golfing, right? Watching TV. Um, what else do you guys do? They go, they spend a lot of time away from their families. Mm-hmm. So my family will only be with me for 18 years, you know, and then the kids are going to move out. So I want to make sure that if I, I want to make sure there's balance and to properly train for a hundred, I think you need to be, you need to respect that. If that makes, at least I think that way. I agree. I, I think you should respect all distances, even some, even the ones that seem real manageable. Yeah, I'm a big. Yeah, I agree with that. Respect what you're doing, because they all take a lot of work to do it right. And you can do. You can still be successful doing it wrong. Like you can put in a a, a poor training program and still go finish a hundred mile race. Mm-hmm. It might take a long time, uh, but I don't want to get injured either. If that makes sense, I want to be able to be healthy. Because if I'm doing something that's hurting me, that's not wise. If that makes sense. At least for me, like I want to do something that's keeping me fit. I mm-hmm. anyway. So that's kind of where I'm at. I want to talk about before we shut this down. I'm on, I'm asking a selfish question now. I know you love entrepreneurship, David. You've been an entrepreneur your whole life. How did you land on on the current thing that you're doing? Tell people what you're doing now cuz it's pretty unique. Yeah, so I I currently buy and sell vintage automobiles. So I'll find them. I'll try to raise the value and then we'll auction them. So there's no guarantee of what they will sell for. So, um, I came to the, and I've been doing it for about six and a half years. I used to drive a vintage Volvo for my shop vehicle when I was screen printing full time. And it was this 67, 122 wagon. I had a mobile printing station in there. So we drove it to shows we would screen print live at events and we'd dry them, cook them, and then people would walk away in under a minute. So loved it until I didn't, you know what I'm saying? And then when I was ready to move on, I sold the car for a lot of money. And it was like, whoa, I made a lot of profit on that car. 
and then the light bulb came on. You know, I've had old cars and in the past in college, and so then I went crazy buying and selling vintage Volvos for two years. That's all I did. Just one, one style, one make, one model. And then um, it was kind of like, I hope I can make money. And you, when you do something long enough, you'll, you'll genuinely get better at it, like no matter what it is. And so then uh, my father-in-law, who's my neighbor, he was instrumental with just teaching me things and helping me tune cars up and um, basic maintenance. And so, and then, you know, it snowballs. So then you start doing another type of car and another type of car and then more European vintage stuff. And, um, I still really enjoy it. So, well, I'm going to hit you on something just here in just a second, but I want to take something out of there for you guys that are entrepreneurs or business owners, or you're just getting started with something. David just said, if you do something long enough, you will generally get better at it. <laughs> and this is a key for a lot, of, a lot of you guys and girls listening. The reason you never get good at what it is you want to do is because you don't stick with it long enough. I want you guys to understand that. Um, when you first have an idea or you first have a passion or, or you first decide you want to offer what it is you know, you're passionate about as a product or as a service. Don't expect everyone out there to be ex as excited about it as you are. The fact of the matter is they're not going to be. The world is not going to be as excited about your product or service right off the bat as you are. Promise you. And that is where I see people failing over and over and over again is the fact that they have this idea, they build this thing out, they put it out to the world, and maybe two or three people see it, or maybe uh, just a few people are interested in it. And so then that crushes them. It just like, it crushes their dreams. It, it crushes their passion. They think, well, maybe, maybe this isn't what I should be doing. The way it actually works is you have to keep doing that thing you have to keep showing up consistently right yeah. you have to keep building upon that passion or that product or whatever it is you want to offer whatever it is you want to make your living doing right and so that takes like three to five years at a minimum and so i see people all the time that have a an idea and we're going to talk about ideas here in just a second People have an idea, they put it out, and it doesn't blow the freaking doors off the world right off the bat, and then they never show up again. I've seen this happen hundreds of times over the last two years yeah. with with people on social media or people in the entrepreneurship space. Yeah, Man, keep showing up. If you're passionate about it, you're going to get better at it, and that's just the process. I want to hit ideas real quick, David, because you said something about ideas while we're off running and kind of on the entrepreneurship space, you said, I have what you have 15 ideas every day and only about three of them are good. Yeah. That's called your idea muscle. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Okay. So, I mean, ideas are worthless until you put them into a profitable uh, package, right? 
So that's why on like there's a show called Shark Tank. You can pitch an idea and they'll buy an idea if it's really, really good. But if there's no value, then it's worthless, right? So what you, I mean, for me, like my, my poor wife, like I'll tell her all the time, all these ideas. And she's gotten to the point where she knows I'm not going to act on them. I'm just voicing them out loud, if that makes sense. Hey, I'm going to go property and or I'm going to go buy property and we're going to launch a kid's dirt bike camp one of these days. Like that's one idea that I'm not letting go of. So, you know, I've done, I've pitched a lot of ideas and I've sold a lot of ideas to people. Um, you know, and I think the reality is, is for nobody has the golden goose. Like no one's going to ever going to be 100% uh, successful every single time in the business realm. It just doesn't happen. Most people don't talk about it because they lead with all, with all their success, but every businessman has lost lots of money on a good idea and it was either bad timing or poor execution or I mean or, or no execution or yeah mm -hmm. or it could have been good execution but there there was a, a crowded market space or there was no market it's really hard mm -hmm. to bring a new idea because there's a mind gap with people it's like oh well what's that but yeah I'm a 300 percentage like if you're a baseball player and you bat 300 you're amazing that means you're striking out seven times though you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how I view myself. It's all hit chili up with, with ideas or this or that. And, you know, you have to be okay with people saying no or mm -hmm. nah, I don't like that. But that doesn't mean you give up. That just, you just got to keep thinking. Like, because I honestly think our brain is like the most powerful place for us to come up with solutions to problems and ideas that can make a difference. And, um, it can give people, um, income to be able to um they don't have to work a second job if they just have a side hustle on the weekend right mm -hmm. uh, money is out there you just got to find it you know and and and, and deliver uh, a really great uh product that solves problems or a service that that helps people so i'm a lot like you in terms of ideas i have a lot of ideas myself for me i'm it's good for me to hear how you process through those ideas. You think through it. Is the is is there a market for it? Is there a need for it? Is it really crowded right now? Those are the the thing that I think through most on my um, I guess on my idea list is timing. Is timing. I'm not really. A, I do a poor job at assessing what is the what is what percentage of my audience is gonna you know, benefit from this idea. But for me, my ideas, when I execute on them, a lot of times are on my own, like the terms of my own timing, right? When do I feel like executing that idea? And that's not always right. I think there are other aspects that I need to incorporate into the execution of my ideas. We're breaking through. <laughs> See, I'm learning about entrepreneurship as we're speaking on this podcast. Well, that even ties into what we what we noticed right off the bat with David about how when it is time to do something like the shirts for the 50k race. Yeah, he just did it. Yeah, you know he couldn't have waited until I don't know. It just it just it make it makes it it makes that tie in with how, with how he is too. He takes initiative. Yeah. And uh that's a really that's a really valuable. <laughs> mm -hmm. Super valuable for sure. Well, 
this podcast was a success because I got David to talk about himself. Mm -hmm. Did y'all notice in the beginning of the conversation how he kept trying to drift like, oh, this is how I learned about 307 Project and and this. Look, we got him <laughs> to talk about himself. I, he's a hard nut to crack, son. He don't like to talk much about himself. That's that's that pride thing he's conscious of. Yep. Well, if we're really going to be honest, who's the hardest one to get to know in this group? Who's oh, who, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. the marble racer. Yeah, Chili. I mean, what? When I first heard of, I mean, I'll be honest. So when I started running, I told myself I'm going to be the best runner in my city. Like I'm just going to dominate. Love it. Like I'm just all in. And I still have that every once in a while. Like we went on a trail run together, me, Chili, and Chad. And I told Chad at mile two, it was a six-mile run. I said, I'm going to beat Chili at the end. And then there was no pause. And then Chad goes, that's a bad idea. <laughs> okay. And so then I knew that it was going to be a hard, hard kick at the end. But you're looking at one of the fastest humans on earth right here, me, David Vahey. So I knew that if I, could, if I could just, at the very end, just whip out a quick five-minute pace mile, I would leave him in the dust. And there was a moment... I was ahead of him. You pulled ahead of him. I, I saw that. And I, what happened was... Well, this race, I wasn't aware of it. No, you knew. Because every time you run, you compete. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, come on. Don't lose no, this I, competitive edge with me now. So um, I was so, just enjoying your company. So Then you turned it into a dog fight, David. Well, and I, <laughs> I, well <laughs> I'll tell you how it ends. You know, I lost at the end. I, people were laughing at me. But it, it, there was one point when I turned it up to 80%. And then you said, oh, boy, here we go. And then I went to 100. And that's when you realized that this old man's got wheels. You know what I'm saying? And, and you, there, there you, was freaked, a, you rattled me, David. I know I did. And then, and, then, and then he hit the gas. And you, I mean, you hit fast speed. I mean, it was fun to watch. There's something, you know, as you get older, you want to run fast. It's just, it's fun. I didn't know you had that speed in you. I know, man. Um, but no, you rattled me. And then I got to that last hill and it was just like, I'm like a guppy on concrete, just sucking air. You know? Oh, that was the best part. We got out, we got out to the driveway <laughs> after that race and David said, I think I'm just going to walk up <laughs> this part. Well, David, I noticed something you said when you told that story, you said, when I passed you, people were laughing at you. There was nobody there. Was that in your head? I, I oh. was I was actually laughing oh, okay. back there in the back because when if if you guys ever get to see David run, it is it's pretty funny, <laughs> especially when you see him run fast. Um, he kind of just he he kind of just goes like this from side to side. It's like his it's like a shuffle. Yeah, it's like his feet are hitting on these two separate well, lines. He, he was and moving it, though. Yeah, I mean he can move. He can make it work. But but it is it is a pretty. I just didn't know who was laughing at you. Chad? That was well, me. Yeah, when I hit the gravel and I was I was sucking air, um, I think he said something like, yep, you lost, or you made a comment <laughs> about that. Well, you didn't make that one, did you? Well, I told I told him when, when he told me he was going to race you, he said, I'm going to race him on the last mile. And I said, that's not a good idea because there's a hill on that last mile that if you try to sprint up that hill – you ain't going to make it. Miles also a long time. Miles yeah. a long time to race, <laughs> especially old Chili. Yeah. You got to get Chili in like the 100. 
100 meters or something. By the way, the last thing I want to say about that run is Blake bowed out yeah. halfway through. Yep. Yes, sir. Well, it is because I do have a family and kids, and they're more important than spending time with uh, you two ugly mugs. So, <laughs> By the way, don't disparage <clears throat> marble racing. Don't do it. Chili's a marble racer, guys. If you're listening to this podcast, you want to know more about him, look him up. He runs this marble called the White Pearl. He runs no, one se- no, first He's of all, run first of all it's Big Pearl, and I don't run it, okay? Oh, I'm sorry. His, so his, his you're really ticking me off. He can't afford Big Pearl. Yeah, I probably couldn't. Huh. That savings account? It takes. If I a, want Big Pearl, I freaking drop it. It takes at least a note to get on to buy an entry level marble. Yeah. So he he can't he ain't on he that level yet. He wouldn't spend that, would he? No. <laughs> you don't know what I've spent. I'm a marble breeder. <laughs> well, I can believe that. You breed marbles yourself? <laughs> yeah. Dang. I raise them up and race them. Well. This is getting weird. We better shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining in. Um, it's uh, it was a pleasure to introduce David Vahey, the man behind the uh, the mission of uh, Mandate Freedom Project, the man behind the design of the three hundred seven Project fifty K shirts, mm-hmm. and the man behind the design of this next course of instruction that we are excited. I mean, super pumped about putting out to you guys. I think it's going to really make an impact. I think it's going to help you um, not make a lot of the mistakes as runners and athletes that we have made. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in to the premier number one ultra running podcast across all podcast networks. Depending on what episode you listen to. Depending on the episode, the 307 podcast. It's still number one. Enough said. (laughs) 